Hello and welcome to Goblet of Wine, a drunken Harry Potter podcast. I'm Charlie. And I'm Hannah and we're two 20-somethings reading our favourite childhood book, but this time with that added alcohol and cynicism. In today's episode, we're going to be chatting about chapters of chapter, just one, chapter five of Order of the Phoenix. Yes, we are. So grab a glass of your favourite alcoholic beverage and join us on this reminiscent journey. <laughs> Hello, it's us, your favourite chaotic duo. It does feel like, oh, I'm going to say it. It I know. Like ages it does feel like ages it. since we've recorded because it's been like a month. And a month isn't that long for us. Uh, we we just went through a stage of literally doing it every other week. We did, yeah. I mean, the whole of the time since March has been really chaotic, our recording schedule, because we go from like needing to do it really often to having to have really long gaps. So it's very different from um, previous years when we've recorded. Yeah. We've recorded three <laughs> podcast pre-drinks. If you guys, guys don't know, we do a series, an erratic series on our Patreon. I'm going to say, I'm not going to say it's bi-weekly as it should be. It's an erratic series. I don't know, but we got in a really good swing of it and then second lockdown happened. Yeah, there's reasons why it, ha- why it became a bit erratic, but we just recorded three episodes of our series called Podcast Pre-Drinks, which is just where we record little bonus episodes for Patreon. Yeah, and technically we're doing four because we're actually vlogging our recording yes, day no, today. Yes, no, that counts as one. Yeah, we've actually yeah. vlogged all of today. So they're really cute. They're available to everyone $5 and above, but we played um, Cars Against Muggles with Neil. Yep. Neil uh, read us My Immortal. Yeah, and we also tried to put the, the European countries on the map because we did it before with the US states and it went very badly and I think this went worse. Yeah, it, well, it certainly went wor- worse in the fact that we should know it better. Yeah. And it was probably really offensive. So um, yeah, I forgot where Spain was. But it also means we've been drinking since midday. We chose to have a very like Christmas. This is the last time we'll record before Christmas. So we've been drinking um, Bucks Fizz throughout the day, which has made me feel really festive. It's made me feel like it's a special occasion. It is a special occasion. Because like, I only have Bucks Fizz at Christmas and at weddings. Yeah. It is a special occasion. So. You're just not the average. Actually, no. You know I what? Know I have it at if you want to on the average Sunday. Have a have it on fizz. Honestly. Honestly, the, you do you. Yeah. Don't sneak it in your orange juice at work. That's where we have an issue. Oh. Oh. Never mind. <laughs> uh, uh, oh. <laughs> oh. So we are here. Hi. Uh, we're Hi. reading chapters five and six. First, we have some things to talk about, obviously. The first thing, we have new patrons. Oh, shit. Yeah, no, we do. <laughs> You're like, what are we doing? What, what, what is this podcast? So I'm very not with it. So a chaotically large thank you to Carl. I've not got it up yet. Oh, my God. Work faster. I'm sorry. I'm having issues getting it up. I'm trying to do these beginning bits faster because I re- recently edited one that was 11 minutes long and <laughs> I was fucking sick of it. So I was like, I we need to go faster. <laughs> An elephant size thank you to Elizabeth. A Death Star size thank you to Dana. A... You know, when a, you think of you can't think of any other word and you just think of that one word. Yeah, I'm I've so sorry. An arsehole thing sized thank you to Amber. I'm sorry. Okay, the next one I've already thought of, you can tell me if I have to cut this out. A Chernobyl explosion <laughs> sized <laughs> You know what, Hannah? I think it's been long enough. A Chernobyl explosion sized thank you to Chasey731. If that's what gets us cancelled, Hannah. <laughs> One day something is going to get us cancelled. Yeah. A cat puke size thank you to cat puke. Yes, that is actually someone's name on Patreon. A Belarus size thank you to Beth. An enormous thank you to Ella. And a rather large thank you to Renee. They have all joined us recently on the Patreon and we are very grateful for their support. We just started doing that one day and... I don't know why. I we never had a discussion. To this about this with the Discord and they were just like, it just started and I was like, I have... You know, sometimes when you know how like certain podcast things start, Mm. this one, I have no idea. We just did it one day and then didn't stop. Stop. And like, the thing is, no one's making us do this. Nobody is making us. Do you guys like it? Do you hate it? it? Is it good? Is it bad? Anyway, Anyway, we also have one new amazing review to read out. Thank you so much for leaving it. So this is from E Margaret 23. And she says the best. Harry yes. Potter podcast. Yes. I am obsessed with this podcast. I've been reading, rereading all the books for the first time as an adult. The only time I read them was a kid in the 90s as they came out. And this podcast is the perfect complement to reading them. They point things out I haven't noticed and it's so nostalgic to listen to. Listening to this podcast feels as cosy as Aww. wearing one of Mrs. Weasley's sweaters. P.S. Hi, I'm from California. You knew how to get us with that one, Margaret. Yep. You really did. We're very easily played. Thank you so much. 
Now, onto my favourite part of this episode. Yeah, what uh, we're drinking. you're going to have to explain this. I will. So, as you guys know, if you are a producer-level tier patron, which is our highest tier of patron, you get the privilege of picking the alcohol for one episode. Now, today's alcohol has been picked by the wonderful new patron, Harrison, who I believe is the patron who owns almost every edition in every language of the first Harry Potter book. That is insane. I like just find it incredibly flattering that people that like the Harry Potter that much listen to us. I know. I'm like, how do you put up with us? So Harrison messaged me and he said, one of his friends who got me into this podcast, a fellow patron, obviously a close friend of mine, has been telling me that the uh, the one thing I drink on occasion, White Claw, is not real alcohol. And that's totally crazy that two White Claws will get me drunk. So for a little bit of background, Harrison said he doesn't really drink a lot, but on the occasion that he chooses to drink, he chooses White Claw. Now, White Claw came to the UK in, and he said June 2020 of this year. That is absolutely true. The UK went on a bit of a White Claw mad one this year. (laughs) And I remember it just because like, because of COVID in the summer when lockdown was at its like most ease, the only place you could meet up with friends was in the park and White Claw had just come out and everyone was going on about it. So for those of you that don't know, White Claw is like an alcoholic sparkling water essentially like a A seltzer it says he says in the uk it comes in 330 milliliter cans which are two-thirds of the size of what he can get in the u.s so i would like you guys to drink three each and tell me am i a sissy or am i drinking real alcohol i want you to announce the result but and basically answer the question is drinking three cans of white claw a good way to get drunk on the pod in this way, I get the alcohol experts themselves to settle the debate for me. Okay, so before drinking it, it's 4.5%, which is similar to some, like, weaker beers, kind of. Yeah, right? it's also similar to, like, a can of G&T. Yeah. Similar. So, and we're going to be drinking three cans of this. He's asked us to drink three, I'm assuming, because in the US, these cans are 500 millilitres. So we're essentially drinking, like nearly a litre of sparkling water this episode. How many mils is in a pint? Alexa! How many milliliters is in a pint? Okay, so this is like... This is a lot to drink in one episode. This is like three-fifths of a pint, basically. One can. Yeah. And we'll be drinking... He's asked us to drink three in in the time of one episode. Yeah. So, Um, also, as some sort of preface to this, I have tried one of these before and liked it, but only one... But what I have heard from friends is that this actually is actually a dangerously alcoholic thing to drink to get drunk, specifically because it is low calorie. So it's like marketed as that in the UK. I don't know if that's what it's marketed as in the US. But basically, like, obviously, when you drink things that have like lower calories, they get you drunk fast because you're not intaking as much stuff that can absorb the alcohol. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Like... I feel like it's not an embarrassing thing to get drunk off, no. like, three of these. Like, I don't, like, that's the thing. They're new in the UK. It's not embarrassing yeah. to drink them. So I don't know what connotations this has in the but US. Just talking about, like, literally about, like, percentage. I feel like if you're, like, having, like, three of these and if this is, like, three-fifths of a pint, I feel like to feel a bit merry after three, that I... F- reasonable? The reasonable, but he says he gets drunk. Let me just check his wording. I don't think I would get drunk. I think I would get merry. It depends how much you've... Will, um, he says, two white claws, and they're bigger than ours, will get me drunk. Now, as a preface to this, we've had three drinks each already. <laughs> More so than this, that. Four. So <laughs> is this the best way to run an experiment? No. Is this experiment scientific, Harrison? No. But I will just say is that I don't get why there's a stigma about being a lightweight. It's literally cheaper. It's, yeah, like, well done. You've managed to play the system. Exactly. <laughs> right, so here we go. Yeah, We're starting I'm... with natural lime flavour. Yeah, and we also have raspberry. And for context, I've not tried this before, but I'm very excited because I love both lime and raspberry. And I feel like these are also, I don't I could be, I feel like they're going to be quite refreshing. It tastes like something. It's gluten-free, natural flavours and no artificial sweeteners. That's good to know. So the thing is, I hate sparkling water. This has just enough flavouring to make me like it. But it isn't as sweet as I was imagining. Charlie's necking tiny sips of it, like whilst having a curious look on it her just, face. Just like the 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 taste reminds me of something, but I can't place it. Well, hopefully you'll work it out during the episode. Yep. So we have to get through three of these, and I will signal each time we swap to one because we have to play Harrison's game. We have to drink three. Oh no, wait. Maybe we should drink two, one for each chapter, and then shotgun the last one because I've never shotgunned anything. I can't shotgun. I don't any. know what a like, shotgunning is. 
No, no, I'm up for trying it. I don't know how you do that. You, like, like stab I... a hole. And then... You stab a hole and then you... Neil? Neil! How do we shotgun something? <laughs> Neil is coming with his wisdom. My understanding is you get something like a craft knife and on a uh, sealed can, ram a hole in like the side of it at the top, then open it and just... And the fact that the air is coming down. in is letting it just pour down your throat. Yeah. I don't want to do that. I want to do it. Also, if you want to do it, you should probably do it outside. I say we do it. Okay, fine. So in this episode, we're going to drink... do it now, though? Hmm. You want to do it at the beginning of an episode? Maybe that'll be funnier to test the drunkenness. All right, guys, we're going to go shotgun something. Okay. Um, so <laughs> this extra content will be... It will be saved in a saved story on Instagram. Yeah. Um, go and look for it. I'm just going to leave this recording. Right. Okay. So, Harrison, we're going to drink one per chapter, but shotgun one now. Um, Can we Google how to shotgun? Yeah, maybe Google it. Can we watch a video? Do we have a craft knife? Yeah, we do. What do you need? Pens. Hi, we're back. So (laughs) we just went and shotgun in a white shot shot. Shotgun the white claw. We might have gotten. Bear like, in mind, we had to watch a YouTube video called yeah. "How to Shotgun." But like, this is genuinely the thing. Like, you see Americans, and I don't know if it's just like what you see on social media, or, or if shotgunning is big American thing. But you see a lot of Americans shotgunning stuff. Like, it's a thing an American but I've teens do. I've never seen anyone no, do it in the UK. It's not a thing in the UK. I think it should be. That was actually really good fun. Um, but then halfway through, um, stirred by the commotion, um, Hannah's downstairs neighbour Bethan, who is American, came just out. Came out like and then basically Hi. just was clearly judging how awfully we were well, she was literally like oh are you guys using a knife i used to you know pierce the can with my teeth <laughs> and we were like for fuck's sake we couldn't even do it with a fucking knife Bethan. oh she is hardcore she I is love hardcore. Her. she was like when we're allowed to all hang out we'll have a party and you know we'll do it properly and yes. i was like wow so basically charlie took 10 minutes to drink hers and i spilt mine no. all over the floor yeah no hannah literally downed half of her straight onto the floor immediately <laughs> um i no, but the thing is i said to mine like oh like half of it's still there it wasn't half but yeah i know i took a really long time to finish it because um it was cold and And i have sensitive teeth (laughs) but you know we've had one white claw so now we'll drink one in chapter five and one in chapter six what flavor did we just shotgun lime yeah please go watch the vlog or the bit on social media with that in because yeah so for the patrons there's a vlog of this entire day if you're not a patron we're putting just the shotgunning clip up on social media and we'll save it in a story highlight called yeah. Shotgunning. Yeah. Uh, it was hilarious, so please do watch. <sighs> okay, chapter five. The, the Order, Order of the Phoenix. Phoenix. So we pick up immediately where we left off and Sirius explains that this was his parents' house. Um, they and wa- the portrait is his mother. They walk into the kitchen and it's saying there's like debris of the order meeting. But some of the debris is empty wine bottles. And um, the Order of the Phoenix sounds great. Can we join? I know. It's just like fighting Voldemort, but also drinking. Like, they're doing nothing at this point, just getting crunk together. But do you remember when, like... Because I used to find it a bit wild. Like, I would see my dad have, like, I don't know, like, occasional meetings with people that were, like, in the evening. And it would be, like, a business thing. But they were drinking. I'd be like, whoa working and drinking and now i'm like whoa how can i make that a thing let's create a podcast where we work and drink (laughs) you're like oh my dad used to have business meetings with a few beers i'm like my parents used to throw rages neither oh no we used to have i told you the best story okay so my parents were having a party at their house and one of the reasons for the just a a party for whatever reason you need a party but also because they'd recently got decking out in the back garden like they've got a little new patio area done why are you grinning just like party because they got new decking is the middle most middle class thing I've yes. ever heard. Yes, Charlie. So um, it's mostly the people in the village we live in, but my dad also invites his business partner. And my dad's business partner likes to make jokes about the the, the, the village my dad and us have moved to is a uh, keys in the bowl village, i.e. a white top <laughs> village. Just because this is a classic joke of UK countryside, like small villages are called like wife swap villages. It's this whole thing. It's basically, well, you obviously, you guys get it where you, the, you swap. Everyone's sleeping yeah, with no, each my, other. Um, my parents last night stayed in a hotel with another couple that they're close to. And I'm like, I'm not asking any more questions. Okay, so my dad's <laughs> business partner used to joke that my dad moved to a wife swap village. And this used to just be like a running joke between them banter. Like, you know, how you say my moon cup is stuck inside of me, it whatever. Is. My dad's having this party. Yeah. And 
he preps the people who live in the village beforehand because, I don't know, they arrive a bit earlier, that when my dad's business partner gets there, without breaking the conversation, without blinking an eye, my dad is going to bring out a bowl. Every <laughs> single couple no. is going to drop their key into it without blinking, without breaking eye contact. They're going to do it. And they did. An hour later, my dad's business partner shows up. And without blinking, the in every couple in the village did this. They dropped their key into oh the bowl. God. It got to the couple and the business partner dropped his keys <gasps> in. <laughs> and the wife ran out crying. Oh, my God. That is fantastic. She ran out crying. My mum had to run after her. Like, no, no, it's a joke. But he had dropped his keys. Our parents would get along so well. Legends. My parents are living legends. That is so funny. Honestly. Oh, my God. Yeah, no, but my parents used to have rages as well, and it was brilliant. And they will have what they were supposed to have the one this year. They were. I was invited. Your parents were like, we've got a room set up next year, and it will be May, so... Fingers crossed the vaccine will be all out by then. Hopefully. And it will literally be my dad's 60th. Oh, that and is going to go hard. Uh, dad has given up his dream. He he was convinced he was going to get the jam to play, obviously minus the obvious person. But he will have live music and literally have essentially a mini festival. But yeah, growing up, they always used to throw like little rages and they um, had fireworks fights, even though one of my dad's like closest like kind of friendship group guys was a policeman. <laughs> uh, and yeah, they literally for like fireworks night just used to literally have fireworks fights with each other in the garden as in using them as guns to aim at each other don't do it kids it's not a good idea anyway this sounds like what the order of the phoenix especially the old one is like it sounds like it was mm. a rager like i'm just getting the vibe i mean the old one they were all like in their like early 20s well there was a mixture you know and like the thing is like because like i work in a very like fast high pressured like company mm. And back, like, before COVID, when we were in an office, it really was, like, the classic example of, like, work hard, play hard. Like, oh, I have worked in those offices for, especially when I tempt, it was proper work hard, play hard. Yeah. Like, and, like, I'm not a big party person, so I wouldn't go out the majority of the time people would go out. But even when it was, like, day to day in the office, it would be, like, people with their heads down, manically working for, like, three hours nonstop, not a single word said. And then literally half an hour of, like, the most... Madness. Absolute fucking chaos. Yeah. And then it'd hit like four o'clock. Bear in mind, we finish at 5.30 and it'd be like, pints, 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 like, pints, pints. And then everyone just drinking at their desk. Like, this is all I am. I know the Order of the Phoenix doing serious work. Anyway, so in the kitchen, <clears throat> Harry sees Bill and Mundungus. He learns that Sirius has been locked inside the house for the last at least four weeks, which, yeah. you know, just reading this post-COVID, pre-in COVID is just like, well, that's just quarantine mate. Yeah. I'm like, Sirius, <laughs> that's amateur hour. It's not that hard. <laughs> we did eight. Um, no, how long did we do in full lockdown the first time? Uh, eight? Six? No, it's more than that. We did 12 weeks, I think, in full lockdown. Yeah. I feel like it was about that. Serious is not that, but I understand, yeah. like, it is. We're just <laughs> used to it now. It's like JK Rowling in, like, the early 2000s writing this, like, oh my god, this is so edgy and hard, and then people in 2020 were like, bitch! Bitch, please! And it's like, beginner. he hasn't even been outside, and I'm like, I don't own a fucking garden, I didn't go outside. <laughs> I do, but it's too cold to go outside this lockdown. Put ten coats on, woman! <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so he explains that the house is his, and the only useful thing he's been able to do is offer it up. Um, someone I didn't write down who but someone remarks Mad Eye didn't make you come via Greenland then and I love this because I'm just like Mad Eye is all of our fathers look at Greenland wait where is it it's near the US <laughs> why is Greenland so big it's not so um, maps are distorted oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah, have yeah. you ever seen I saw a video on TikTok recently where they dragged Greenland down to um, Africa and it's a similar size to if you look at um, Egypt over the far left top of Africa. Mm. It's a similar size to that. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's just, um, like, stretched. Basically, Mad-Eye is all of our fathers. Like, we've had this conversation before about, like, when you kind of, like, visit a random town and your dad makes oh. you walk around every restaurant in the entire fucking town or city. We until call it the, you... um, the, the, the Steve walking tours. Yeah, and, like, literally, and you always end up in the first one that you walked past. And, he, and like, he'll and do the always, thing. There'll be a good one around the corner. There'll be a good one around the corner. Yeah. No, the fucking And he'll won't. be looking for the one that's the busiest because if it's busy it means good and your mother will have done three days worth of 
research, research on like what's that website on um i don't know but trip like, advisor to find the best restaurant but also not just the best the one that caters to all your needs because my mum's a vegetarian and my brother is a fussy yeah. eater so we're trying to find somewhere that caters but to your all dad of us just wants to look around and go in the one that's the busiest and actually you just walk for like two and a half and hours also the one that's like real that has like the locals in you can't tell that by looking yeah. at people and uh that's mad eye yeah no it's true so fred and george nearly stab serious um and then they all eat dinner. <laughs> yeah, uh, but Mundunga starts smoking weed. It's like a pipe with like some like fuggy kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, so he like... pulls out a pipe which is admitting a green smoke before anyone says it. I know that weed doesn't. Charlie thinks smoke that weed green. has like clouds of green no, but come smoke. On, there is there's, with there's little a... like with little like leaf emojis. There's in an it. implication here. Like I know that's not what it looks like, but does turfy middle class J.K. Rowling? Of course she doesn't. No, She's she like, yes, did. you no. sm- you smoke of the weed, and it makes up the green smoke. No, I don't I know. Bet she smoked weed in her teenage years. Do you think? I don't think Middle she's nearly do. cool enough. So um, um, Tonks is entertaining Hermione and Ginny by changing her nose, and I think it's really, really, really nice to see Hermione having some closer female connections and interactions in this book. I know, like, I'm sorry. And, like, the thing is, like, I relate to Hermione on a lot of levels, and that includes a level where when I was, like, 13, 14, I was such a pick-me. Oh, yeah. I'm only friends with boys! And I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm not a feminist. Like, I was like... And I was like, I'm not a girly girl. I just like being friends with boys. Yeah, I just get along with boys better and like i'm not a feminist like there's all less I... drama yeah like i don't want to work for a living like and now i'm just like me lol like <laughs> literally like me at 12 i didn't want to work for a living i was like i'm not a feminist i just want to like marry like i didn't think that to be fair i still want to marry ranch but like okay no not I mean, it would be helpful. Like, There's no reason nice. to not want that. But like, I literally, I was just like, no, I just want to be like a housewife. <laughs> <laughs> what? I hate children. Um, no, I was just a bit like, because I'd encountered so many bitchy girls, I was, I just gravitated towards easy boy friendships yeah. more. But I also, what that put me, I thought in my head I was being like, I'm cool. I have like boy friendships. No, I fancied all these boys. And I was just like pining over them in the friend zone yeah no i was like oh like i really get along with guys and i'm such a tom guy tomboy and like i like i just you know why i don't want feminism because i don't want to have to like work like it's annoying like (laughs) which is just the most like white middle class thing you've ever heard just like hmm there's feminist issues outside of your bubble, hun. And um, this is literally when I was like 12. And also, like, the funniest thing, the funniest thing is my entire personality trait when I was like 12, 13 and under. Like, my entire, the one thing, you know, when you pick, like, hating something oh, yeah. as your personality trait when yes. you're that age. Guess what Harry the thing Potter. I hate? No, no, no. Guess what I hated that was my entire personality trait? Harry Potter. No. Twilight. No. What is the most ironic thing? Pink. No. Bitch, I have two personality traits right now. Liking Harry Potter is one, liking something else is the other. What is my other personality Buffy. trait? Buffy. No. She, shitting hell. Hoop <laughs> earrings. Makeup. I hated makeup <laughs> with a passion. Like, That's I was like, sad. no, I hate makeup. I hate fashion. I hate when people follow trends just to follow trends. Like, and I was literally like, I will never ma- wear makeup. I hate makeup so much. I will never wear it. It's stupid. Yeah. Until I was like, 12, 13, and even then, I think I started wearing makeup. Probably, like, 14, 15, but only then, like, literally, like, black collar eyeliner (laughs) to be an emo. For anyone that's being like, why is this so ironic? I work in the makeup industry. I love makeup. I'm literally obsessed with makeup. Charlie Um, has come here just to see me today. Bear in mind, I see her face all the time, and she's wearing green sparkly eyeshadow, and it is gorgeous. But if anyone says, you only make makeup for guys, no, she's only seeing me. (laughs) Yeah, is that... Well, and Neil, but... (laughs) And, um... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um yeah like the, i literally live and breathe makeup i it love makeup and the, the tone of the green with the tone of your hair is like popping off Thank right you. now Have you notice the way it sparkles blue as well uh yes because it sparkles blue in a similar tone to your hair yes it does it is gorgeous yes but yeah basically this is a whole tangent just to be like this is like hermione until this point has kind of like not not she outwardly has an, she, she has an outwardly eschewed girly thing but only because we don't get to see in hermione's brain we only get to see hermione as perceived by harry and yeah. harry doesn't give but a shit but she definitely like looks down on lavender and parvati yes, she definitely and does 
she obviously is friends with especially when we have the astrology lessons later on yes she definitely looks down on them she's you know there's nothing wrong with her being best friends with harry and ron at all but and also i don't want this to come across as like oh you know you know you need to make friends within your own gender because that's not it at all but when you're at this gender is bullshit but when you're at this fundamental age it is important that hermione has these connections which aren't just with like male identifying people so that she can have people of different walks of life that she looks up to like that's why it's important and i think it is really good that she has tonks now that she can kind of look up to is because tonks is very different from her yeah and i love when she gets closer to Ginny, like because she literally and i'm just like i uh, don't get me wrong i love opposite gender friendships and i think that they are hugely hugely important like beneficial i also think that like you know friendships with like the gender that you identify with are like massively important yeah and obviously like we can't speak for like male and male friendships because we only see them from like male and male identifying friendships because we only see them from an outside perspective like but speaking from knowing female and female friendships there is a different dynamic to mixed gender friendships just because of and i also think it's just important for your development especially growing up i feel yeah and i also think that like it's really important for Hermione. Like, we've had conversations in the past, like, around, like, the whole time travel thing and how potentially, actually, within canon, Hermione is going through puberty, like... A lot quicker. A lot quicker. So I think that it's really important, like, for Hermione to have other friendships with, like, other people that are also, like, you know, like, people that have periods, people that have gone through, like, the same puberty that she has. And Ginny is also mature for her age, mostly because she's grown up around much older siblings. Yeah. And, you know, but then i think like tonks can be that person and like don't get me wrong like i think you know we don't want to like assume things about her character like obviously she's a metamorphomager so you know we don't necessarily know that she's cis and i think that there's definitely a fantastic reading Mm. about that and the fact that actually you know if you can transform easily what you look like what does that mean in terms of your gender identity and i think that's beautiful but i think you know from the text we can assume that like tonks has gone through like a similar puberty in terms of like periods and stuff to Hermione and that actually maybe like this is a really great friendship for yeah. Hermione to have because like fucking hell when she's like dealing with her hormones and shit like she can't exactly go to Ron about that no and like we do see elements of Hermione in some ways being close to Mrs Weasley we saw it a bit in book three but in some ways they butt heads quite a lot and so I'm really happy to see this moment because also we know Harry is unobservant so JK Rowling writing this moment in to me reads of a lot more that's going on behind the scenes between these three and just an easy nice friendship that they have because like I'm sorry like I you know love Harry dearly but he is a fucking idiot and he only thinks about himself and like literally like the shit that Hermione goes through that he's just like barely noticing even when he like kind of starts to realise that Hermione and Ron have a like romantic relationship. And he kind of like how it's, will it affect? He's literally me? like at first when he starts to think about it, he's literally just like as a throwaway thought that he doesn't really process. And then he's like, but what if they broke up and it was sad for me? me. And he literally <laughs> never thinks about Hermione or Ron. He is so selfish. And then Ron, obviously, I you know you're not gonna have that kind of like close bond with someone that you kind of have those like sexual or romantic no, feelings with. No, you're going to hide elements of what it's you're like, going through. And Hermione needs to have that person that she and can I talk to. I think in this book Ginny really becomes that person. And we know yeah. that from later contextual evidence in book six where Ginny says to Harry that Hermione told her to stop acting weird around Harry because he'll... She, uh, Hermione said he'll like you better if you stop being awkward and that happened around book four book five yeah so we know contextually at this point they've developed a close enough friendship to talk about romantic feelings to each other and I'm just like yes Yes. Hermione and Ginny I'm here for that friendship and I love that as well I love like the kind of read on Hermione of her actually being a boy expert because her two best friends are boys so she knows to give Ginny that advice like even though like Hermione herself because like this is the thing giving your friend advice is very very different to following your own advice or knowing what to do but like I feel like Hermione's the kind of girl like she is great Great at at giving boy advice but clueless with boys herself you say that but she got Cormac McGlagan in the palm of her hand like that so she has got a little summon summon that's true Okay, do you know what? I relate to Hermione on that level. When I'm not interested in a boy, I can oh, fucking easy. wrap him around, around my finger. finger. It's easy. No, it's so easy when you're when not interested in someone. When I like a boy, someone. I'm just like... What the fuck? Like, no, but you see me when I like a boy. Me when I like a boy, it's like, I don't think I like this boy. And I'm like, yes, you do. I really don't like you this boy. Do, um, 
I just you're yeah. like I really don't um, like he said this and I'm like you like him so I don't like this boy so I'm gonna really make sure that he knows that I don't like him actually I've realised that I do like him so I'm gonna continue to make sure True. that he knows that I don't like him Charlie's um, an infuriating person <laughs> I'm just thick as shit so switching from Hermione and Tonks so then Harry's kind of observing lots of the conversation around the table which he does quite a lot which touching on that for a second I think this is quite a key part as much as we say that Harry is unobservant in group settings and this is obviously a method by J.K. Rowling just to character build like everyone around the table but I think it contextually makes sense for Harry to do because he's grown up like not having those close relationships of like listening to people he actually likes sitting back and just listening mm. but I also think it's an element of disassociation no like, he does disassociate he doesn't want to get involved with any of them yeah and like this is a thing like I like I when I'm really, really not... Like, I think the number one way that I always personally tell when I'm not in a good way is when I get really disassociating What is the word for that? Dis- when I disassociate a lot. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, this time last year, I was really not in a great mental health way. And literally, because it was Christmas and festive season before COVID, there was, like, so many, like, social events. And literally all of them, I just, like, literally felt like a third person watching. And, like... Like, I've just got so many vivid, like, memories of being at, like, Christmas social events and parties and stuff like that. And kind of being in my body, but feeling a bit outside my body and literally tuning into all of the different conversations around. I'm literally going around and around in a circle, tuning into the different conversations, like, unable to participate in mm. one myself. And I feel like because Harry is so anxious about the... the, the not trial. the trial, the, the hearing, um, that this is what he's doing now. Mm. He, he's unable to kind of participate himself, but he's going around listening to each conversation in turn. Yeah. And then it actually takes Sirius to pull him out of this. Yeah. Um, and him and Sirius start chatting and they basically start oh, I, having... I have, I have one conversation to talk about before okay, yeah. So um, just before he starts talking to Sirius, he starts listening to Mr. Weasley, Bill and Lupin's conversation. And they're talking about goblin rights. And there is such a sense at the beginning of this book of the world expansion. And it's really incredible. Like the first three and even to an extent, most of four was very much Harry and what Harry was going through. But this book really goes, okay, so now Voldemort's back. This isn't just affecting Harry. Look at this, this and this. And we never, although we never explore any of those fully, we get this hint that like, okay, this is really affecting the goblins. And then that comes back in book seven hard when Harry suddenly needs to liaise with the goblin, liaise with the goblins. And I just really like this like world expansion done in this way where Harry is observing it and having to learn all of this. And it is difficult for him because he didn't grow up in the magical world. So first he has to just learn this basic magical information. And now he's suddenly like, wait, goblins like... They're not just people that serve me at the bank, but it it tracks along with his um, emotional and like mental aging as well. You know, like of him realizing no, like goblins aren't just people at the bank. They are, you know, people who have emotions and thoughts and feelings, and they want a thing. They have an agenda of their own that I can never fully understand. Yeah, and I think this is one of the great arguments for the fact that maybe like Harry Potter shouldn't have been r- just written from Harry's perspective. I think like this is why books like Game of Thrones are so great because mm. of the way it cycles through different perspectives. Yeah, and like don't get me wrong, obviously Game of Thrones is not exactly great for being diverse. However, like there's definitely a whole bunch of amazing writers out there that can kind of cycle through different perspectives so that you see different issues and like obviously like saying something like oh like I wish we'd seen like kind of dialogue and the the like happenings from a like goblin perspective that obviously shouldn't really be used as a metaphor for like um different like ethnicities and cultures as we've kind of discussed a lot in the past however like I definitely think that if you're gonna kind of have these different communities and like races you know species whatever in your book that you should kind of have their different viewpoints represented and I actually think that there's definitely like a really interesting kind of rewrite of Harry Potter through actually kind of seeing what's happening with the goblins with the giants with the centaurs like you know with you know Gryffindor with Slytherin like having absolutely everyone's viewpoints kind of like represented so that you don't just see this struggle through like like a white cis yeah guy I'm not gonna say straight because Harry's not straight you know yeah no definitely and I think that although it is advantageous in some ways as we probably feel as white middle class like privileged readers to see all this from Harry's perspective because we relate to Harry therefore we see all these struggles and think wow yeah I should concentrate on that 
the books would be a lot more impactful if we really saw those struggles firsthand from the people rather than experiencing through someone similar to our own understandings viewpoint yeah exactly like there's an entire fucking war going on and we just see it through this like one like cis straight like middle class guy like who has gone you know he's gonna be murdered but you know yeah like he does have a certain like key vantage point like i will give him that but at the same time like (laughs) he has got the best life in the world just about the wizards yeah yeah, you and know? we'll get into that like so much more as this book goes on. So anyway, you were saying that Sirius catches his attention and Sirius yeah. asks why Harry hasn't asked about the order. So my note is around how they essentially, Sirius and Harry starts to have like a who has it worse off. Like, oh yeah. You know that like famous sketch there is where it's like all the old men being like, back in my day, oh, we yeah. lived in a hot... This is essentially... I used to walk five miles of school in the pouring rain. It rained every day. Yeah, <laughs> I will try and link the sketch down below. But um, also, this is such a normal thing to do because I feel like even we do this sometimes. You're like, I had a terrible day and I'm like, well, look what happened to me. And you're like, well, then my boss did this. And I'm like, well, my CEO did this. And then it never ends. <laughs> oh, I just love complaining. Yeah, same. Um, sometimes Charlie just voice notes me and she's like, you don't have to reply to this. I'm just complaining at you. <laughs> like, I genuinely... when I. It, that, helps. I genuinely mean that you can pause it right there and never listen to the rest. Like I, I, no, genuine... I always listen to it. But when you say that, I go do like I'll like type an email yeah. or like do like, my hair. You need to say these things, and I th- no, you just need to get I them think out that there. That's really healthy. I'm very no. sorry that you're the person that I'm always. No, like. I enjoy it. It's very because I like background noise. It's very cathartic to me. Yeah, it's essentially like a really fucking depressing podcast, mm. <laughs> like this one. No, I'm this joking. One, um, is to... No, they do have a one-up thing. So Mrs. Weasley immediately fires up. No, uh, dude, I wasn't finished, bitch. So I said that they might as well form a We Hate Dumbledore Society. Because Sirius is like bitching about Dumbledore because he's like, he wants to keep me inside. And Harry's like, he won't speak to me or tell me what's going on. And I'm literally just like, make the society. Like, you know, in Friends, when they form the like, we hate Rachel Green thing, him and Brad Pitt, Ross and Brad Pitt. Oh, that episode is so good, the Thanksgiving yes. one. <laughs> this is literally, you could like dub this scene to be about Dumbledore. Someone do that for us. So yeah, Sirius basically is like, why haven't you asked about the order? And Mrs. Weasley immediately fires up. Fred and George get involved and what it turns into a bit of an h- argument. Sirius thinks that Harry should be able to ask questions about the order. <laughs> Sirius is right. But Mrs. Weasley wants mm-hmm. to protect him. And there is... Ha! He's the fucking chosen one. I know, but okay. It makes me so angry. I'm so angry. I just get so angry. Like, there is so much that could have been... He's not the chosen one yet. No one... Only no, no one knows the prophecy But yet. it's a bit fucking obvious, isn't it? So, I really wanted to explore this power dynamic between Sirius and Mrs. Weezy and what's going on here. So, I'm going to get into the whole... Can I just say that? Sorry, I just realised that me saying it's a bit fucking obvious in it, the Americans are going to be losing their shit. In it. In it. In it. So, like, obviously there's the whole surrogate son thing, which we'll get into, but I think there's another dynamic at play here, and it's a really odd one. So, Jesus, we're not at the end of the chapter yet. Oh, sorry, I just finished my drink. What? Am I not allowed? No. So... This is Sirius's house. I know he hasn't lived there since he was 16, but this is his house. And Mrs. Weasley and the Weasleys have come and permanently live there. And they're not just there for order meetings. You can get mine as well and just leave it here. She's literally walking off mid my point. I'm listening. I can hear. I'm like two metres away. Oh, it's nice and cool when you do that. Yes. Wait, should I get in the fridge? Yeah, just get in the fridge. Get your breasts off my food. It wasn't. They were on your orange juice. <laughs> So Mrs. Weezy and the Weezys have come to live here. Like, they're not just turning up for order meetings. They are living here. There is this slightly odd dynamic where this is Sirius's house, but Mrs. Weasley has still taken on the role of head of this house. Like, she is doing all the cooking. She is leading the decisions about the cleaning. But is that because that is Mrs. Weasley's natural position and she's usurped Sirius? Or because Sirius has this childlike tendency, because he's been in Azkaban since he was literally in his early 20s, where he doesn't and won't cook and doesn't and won't take charge of the cleaning? And I honestly think, like, although Harry is the main element between these two's, like, animosity, it is also this weird power struggle between, like, who is in charge in this household. Like, I found it a bit weird when Mrs. Weasley was like, if you want dinner, you're all going to have to help me cook. This is Sirius's house. Why isn't he taking charge of the cooking and Mrs. Weezy just helping? I guess, like, I could definitely see kind of the argument that he did go to Azkaban when he was, like, 21. Yeah. Like, you wouldn't really know how to cook that well. And I and I do think that, like, Molly Weasley, she is someone that clearly enjoys being a homemaker. Oh, yeah. Like, at the end of the day, like, it's not one of those things where Mr. Weasley, like, 
earn enough that she could just could be just a stay-at-home mum but like actually this was like an active choice by them no, that she was, was a, a stay-at-home mum and she was a homemaker and I think that that is something that Molly enjoys and I think that it's really important that we have these conversations like I can definitely see the arguments and I definitely think that at some points like the way that Mrs Weasley is treated is mm. really really wrong because I think, and I think especially in book five I think this is the book where she is really mistreated by the text by Harry by Hermione yeah. by Sirius like you know, I, I think that it's completely valid that if this is what you enjoy as a woman, that this is what you enjoy and you should be, you know, if it's financially an option, allowed to be a stay-at-home mum and a homemaker. And I think that that is like a really, really hard, valid job. But just because that is your role doesn't mean that you should never get a break and that actually no one else should ever help out. And I think that's where I feel quite bad for Mrs Weasley. Like, I do think it's, you know, her, that's how she... And, you know, maybe she's not the best at spells. This is the thing, we never really, you know... Well, she's she... very good at the home spells, we do know that. Yeah, but, you know, other kind of spells, and I think we the also only... Know she can literally kill Bellatrix Exactly, with, I was like, going to say, the spell. only... Like, fucking hell, mate. Yeah, the <laughs> only evidence we get against this is her taking down Bellatrix, but at the same time, like, mothers can literally, like, lift cars no, off they their can. children. No, they can lift cars off their without children. Without any strength. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, no. that could be the same kind of thing. And that is the like, textual thing that's going exactly, on in that book. But, like, like, she has this surge of maternal, like... Exactly, and, like, we don't... We don't know enough about Mrs. Weasley because Harry is a selfish prick to like really know like whether actually being a homemaker is her choice or not. But like I kind of think from kind of reading between the lines in the dialogue, this is something that she genuinely um, enjoys. And I think that it is really important to have these types of women represented. Mm. Not everything has to be hashtag girl boss, and this is a completely like valid life choice. But, but I think I that's think still... that it 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 does get quite frustrating like sometimes when you kind of read the Order of the Phoenix stuff where you're like, someone give this woman a break. Also because this isn't her house and as far as we know, her and Sirius didn't have a chat about she would be taking over this home ownership. Yeah. I think she kind of resents Sirius for the fact that she's having to clear his house and cook in his kitchen without him yeah. ever seemingly and, saying thank you. And people are like helping with the cleaning and stuff. Of course they are. Like she's not but doing she's the majority doing, of it. No, However, but she's doing the mental labour. This is a really interesting thing I've read about is that Mental labour is something that women just aren't accounted for at all. And emotional labour. Yeah, mental and emotional labour. So, like, this is to do with, like, the mental labour it takes to think, oh, this person is coming around on this date, so we need to clean on this date. We need a food shopping on this date and this and this. And women are not compensated for this yeah. mental workload that goes into this. Yeah, and later on the, in the either these chapters or the next chapters, I can't remember, we have, you know, things like Mr. Weasley literally inviting Kingsley over without a second thought. For him, he just invites her over and that's done and he does not think about any impact that that has on mrs wheezy and the fact that actually that's a that's another load of food another place setting you know and you know th there is a huge difference between like making a home for your family your children and like your you know your husband or your wife and actually a load of strangers every single night and that's what she's having to deal with like an ever-rotating amount and combination of strangers yeah and I know people will say like well you know everyone else in the order is doing guard work or things like this and this is the role she's taken on in the order and I'm sure she has and that is valid and that's the role she sees she's taken on in the order but I just find it really strange that Sirius's house and I think this really is where some of their struggle comes from and I think it's just never addressed you know like taunts Tonks complains about taking a night shift and everyone is sympathetic for her but no one is sympathetic or even willing to help Molly with the cooking until she asks for help yeah it's just she ugh, I don't know yeah. and Harry even views her multiple times as whiny and Molly coddling in this book I'm like, she is doing the same hard work that Arthur and Tonks and Kingsley are doing and you just don't view it as as yes. valid. And like, I'm sorry, like, don't get me wrong, like, taking a night shift to, like, guard the prophecy, don't get me... Like, I'm not saying it's easy. Like, of course, there is the absolute terror that you must feel. Yeah. There is, like, the mental and physical impact of working a night shift. On top of your day job. Yeah. However... Like, actually slaving away, spending your entire day cleaning and cooking and then having to actually host and entertain. I'm sorry, fuck anyone yeah. that and doesn't she, see that as, like... And she never gets the credit for yeah. it. Yeah, and, like, a really, like, random, like, I know I'm, like, the queen of, like, bringing up, like, 
very random pop culture references here. However, I think that this might uh, take the fucking crown. Um, is actually like this really to me kind of brings up a lot of themes that are involved actually in Desperate Housewives, mm. which is a lot. There's a lot of different storylines about the actual like pressures that can be on women, particularly on women that maybe naturally aren't homemakers but you know to be that homemaker and even if they are naturally homemakers the fact that that doesn't make it easy and that this actually can be like a massive physical drain um actually just being a housewife like it it is a form of labor like i'm sorry like it is a form of labor but people don't also don't account for the mental labor that is no they definitely don't and like mrs wheezy i'm sure she does like an incredible amount of like emotional and mental labor as well like this is so much as well as like we you know we learn later on with her her boggle the fear she is feeling because you know whilst mr wheezy when he does a night shift he might be extremely tired and he might be scared for himself but she's scared so is mrs weasley yeah like Anyway, we'll get into it more as this book goes on. But Mrs. Weasley then tells Sirius that Harry isn't James, which is a really low blow from her. Like, that is an unnecessarily low blow. And also, she then basically attacks Sirius and says, like, you weren't, like, when you were in Azkaban, you weren't here for. Yeah. Fuck you, Mrs. Weasley. We might have just spent ages defending you, but fuck you. No, we, we can then, like, pull your lines apart. That was such a low blow. Like, on one hand, she says, so Sirius says he's not your son. And Mrs. Weasley says he's as good as. This is a beautiful line. Mrs. Weasley is clearly very protective over Harry, especially since the last book where she was there when he came out of the graveyard. And we know that Harry literally said he had never been held this way as if by a mother when Mrs. Weasley hugged him. So I think she's become even more protective over him. But also she seems like extremely jealous specifically of Sirius and I think that's because Mrs. Weasley naturally is an extremely controlling person she likes to exert quite a lot of control over her children not necessarily in an abusive or negative way but she is just quite a strong-willed controlling figure and I I think that's so normal for someone that would have been like popping out children around the time of the first war literally yeah like she popped out all her children during wartime yeah so like of course she's and then to have the second war start just as they're coming of age and are kind of actually gonna have to be those people that are fighting it like exactly like she literally cannot imagine and she watched like what the text never fully tells us until like book seven is this is weirdly both her brothers were murdered in the first world war she had bill and charlie during that time and now they're adults and they've joined up in the second world war of course she's like crazy protective but a lot of that protectiveness comes out in weird jealousy of Sirius because Mm. like she Sirius being another parental figure to Harry means she doesn't fully have control over him like she does with her children and I think that really riles her up and she gets angry at Sirius because of that because I think she wants to see Harry like fully the way she views her own children but she can't like quite compute that harry might have other paternal and maternal figures yeah. that aren't her because he doesn't have parents yeah um but it's so it's such a low blow when she says that yeah. when you were in azkaban you couldn't pair at him it's 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 way below the belt yeah there's then a moment that i think is like one of the most important moments in this these chapters when Lupin is the only one that asks Harry what he thinks. Yeah. He is the only one that takes a step back and goes, like, has anyone asked Harry? Like, Harry, what do you think? Like, because do you want to Because at the end of the day, like, Sirius is, like, Molly is below the belt, but Sirius is viewing Harry as James slightly. Yeah. and But also, like, I wanted to point out, like, the full-on wolf star tension. <laughs> so I wasn't like, oh, wolf star, I'm putting that in air quotes, shipper back in the day. But when I read the line where Lupin is like, Sirius, sit down. I was like, oh, <laughs> Oh my. I see where it came from. <laughs> ah, like, oh my, yeah. I see it. No, but you're right. Like, Sirius literally is like, why don't we ask Harry what he thinks? No, Lupin is. That's what I meant. Yeah. But I have like a lot of mixed mixed feelings about Lupin as a character. And he's one that like, I don't think we get developed enough. We get like so much serious. Mm. Considering he dies a few fucking books before Lupin does. not in many books. We we don't proportionally get enough Lupin and Mm. I think that that's really, really sad. And, like, I have mixed feelings about him because, like, don't get me wrong, I, I really... 
I do disagree with having perfect characters. It's it's why I don't like Hermione in the films because she is this perfect character. Yeah. And I do like that in the last book we get to see the not perfect side of Lupin. But I don't agree, and we'll get into this more in this in the last book, but I don't agree with how we see the not perfect side of Lupin. I think that it comes across really out of character. I see his motivations. I'm not sure I agree whether it's in his character. Mm. This is a moment that I love Lupin and I definitely don't think that we ever should have just gotten like this like one-dimensional perfect view of Lupin. Mm. However, part of me wants it because we don't we don't get him basically what I'm trying to say, we don't get Lupin's character developed enough and then it kind of gets to the point where basically I feel like in the last book, J.K. Rowling was like, shit, I have this character that I've only said good about him. Like we kind of obviously there's a bit back when he was in high school where it's a bit like mm, he didn't, you know, he should have stood up for things and said things. However, yeah. I think that that's different when you're kind of portraying a teenage character to actually a real character. But she basically like looked at like adult Lupin and what we knew about him and went, shit, he's only ever done good things. I feel like I need to make him fuck up. Yeah. And then she threw in him fucking up there without actually considering that she hadn't hadn't given him enough like time in the books to actually then justify having that kind of like and we also full didn't circle get, character development do you like, get what i mean yeah and i also i do like the like negative bit we get of lupin in book seven but what i dislike is how he's allowed very little time to redeem that like, exactly he literally comes back for one dinner like runs in to me it is not enough time to redeem what happened and like i am not i do not have a problem with ha- what happens at the beginning of book seven what i have a problem with is that he's not allowed to redeem himself before he goes and fucking dies and before that we don't get enough to set it up this is the thing like it's not that i so much think it's out of character i think i phrased that badly like it is in character like i see his motivation I think what it is is that like we don't we obviously get kind of a lot of looping in in the the third book when he's in it. However, then we what we basically get is just like every now and then mentions of him and then him and Tonks's romance comes out the fucking blue. No, it does. Like comes out the fucking blue. Basically, I feel like I don't know whether Lupin was basically edited out. He was supposed to be in it more and he kind of got edited out maybe, but we don't get enough of him and Tonks's romance to yeah, then actually Yeah, where is the flirting in this book? Where? Give me some flirting! Like, we don't get enough. It comes out of the fucking blue. There it's is sla- more flirting yeah. between him and Sirius than him and Tonks. Exactly. It slaps you in the face and then it, it's just there. Then we learn nothing about it. We don't even, like, see their wedding. Like, they just get married and then suddenly she's pregnant. Then suddenly, you know, the acts of the last book happen and then they're suddenly redeemed but we don't really get to see enough of that redemption. It's just kind of mentioned. It's essentially like she didn't write enough about his character to justify... It's like, you, there's there's no... Im- you, you know, you either don't write a lot about a character or you do. You yeah. can't try and do both. And it, it just feels like she tried to give him loads of character development whilst also giving him like three pages yeah so basically all of this argument ends up that harry is allowed to stay in the room and ask some questions miss sweezy tells the other wheezy children they have to go but fred george ron they all start shouting and they end up being allowed to stay fred and george because they're of age uh hermione and ron because harry will tell them anything anyway which leads me to question how mrs wheezy would have stopped hermione staying anyway due to the fact she's not her parent and has no parental control over her Ginny gets sent to bed (laughs) because um for some reason mrs wheezy thinks hermione won't just tell Ginny everything anyway i'm just like she's gonna tell her what they tell harry is that voldemort's return was meant to be a surprise but harry has ruined that Voldemort is trying to recruit more followers and the Order's main job is just trying to just stop him doing that. Fudge is being pedantic and saying that Dumbledore is lying about Voldemort being back to destabilise Fudge. To and stir up trouble. And to become Minister of Magic himself, which if Dumbledore wanted to become Minister of Magic, why on earth would he say that Voldemort, that's the most stupid plan to try to become Minister of Magic I've ever heard. Yeah. Like, why? Why would he come up with that lie? They reveal... So this is where... (laughs) This is where the crux of the book happens and Jesus Christ, I got annoyed writing my notes. So then the last thing they reveal is that Voldemort is, and I quote, after something he didn't have last time. Which then Harry is like, like what? And Sirius uses an extremely poor word choice and says, like a weapon 
something he didn't have last time. And the use what? of the word weapon is the entire crux of the issue of this book. And it's just poor word choice from Sirius. Because what Voldemort is after is information. Yeah. All he's after is information as to why Harry was able to deflect the killing and curse. And information can be a we- weapon, but not really in this place. And I feel like I would prefer this if it had come from Mrs. Weasley. Mrs. Weasley saying that because she didn't exactly want to say what the truth is. And yeah. she was like, it seems convincing to say there's a weapon. But no, it comes from Sirius, who was on board with them knowing everything. Yeah, and he literally chooses the word weapon, which... like. I understand sometimes making wrong word choices and things, but this one use of wrong word choice causes most of the issues in this book. Yeah. So, because Harry's like, what could be worse than a Vada Kedavra? And I'm like, oh my God, Harry, you idiot. Serious, you idiot. Yeah. Uh, Mrs. Weasley then stops the conversation and they all go to bed. Yep. Right, guys, we have, um, for the first time in a really long time... Yeah, and really randomly. Normally it's quite like a... But I think this is going to start to happen. I think yeah. it is going to be... So, like, our, our standard is to do two chapters an episode, but I think as these books get beefier, mm. I think just we're going to... We're going to just naturally find chapters where it has to be split into two, but we're not going to know until it happens, like now. Yeah. Or maybe when we're reading, we can start to take a view. But yeah, um, we're ending this on we're one chapter. We're ending this episode. Um, Harrison, we're halfway through your challenge. So congratulations. No, you are more than halfway. We've got half a, half a white claw left. I've got a full one. Oh. Harrison, congratulations. Your challenge is extended to two episodes. Well done, you. Brilliant. Well done, Harrison. You you um, you win. You what is that? You you tricked the system? You won the system. You si- played the system. Yeah. Okay. You really did. Okay, to finish off the episode, we have a question from our patron Georgie. She asks I've been thinking a lot recently about the fan headcanon that Harry did not become a Nora, but instead became a DADA teacher and wants to know your thoughts. Personally, I really disagree with it because I think he would have been incredibly bored as a teacher and would always create the excitement of fighting dark wizards. But as I say, I'd be really interested to hear your thoughts. I'm kind of really in two minds about this. I I kind of on principle really hate the fact that he just became an aura because it was kind of like, oh, he was a chosen one and it was a lot more about him being chosen than him doing the choosing. And I just kind of hated that it defaulted to that. And I think that we saw Harry in the books really, really loving teaching. Yeah. So I think like when you kind of think about it from that point of view, but then I think we also do see the Harry where he just like looks into shit and he's so nosy and like he really butts his his nose in where it doesn't belong particularly in the earlier books yeah. it's very much like he's very inquisitive and he loves a bit of drama and that's like he just how can't they... help but research into things he's like let me exactly so i think it's like I, I i see it for younger harry i really do but then i think as harry gets older he becomes more like fed up and resistant and he just wants a normal life yeah um especially like the age wizards live like i know jk rowling originally said that like Ron became an author and aura, and then she said that he actually. But then she said he actually went and helped George out with Weasley Wizard Weezes. But the age that wizards live, I don't think there's anything wrong with both of them having two careers, and I think it's perfectly feasible that both of them, so young and like wanting stability, went and did auras. And first, Ron went dropped, and did auras. Went and did auras, and Ron dropped out first to work in Weasley Wizard Weezes, and Harry dropped out later after he'd had both kids and they were a little bit older to be a teacher. And I don't think there's anything wrong with both of them having both careers. Yeah, and after all, like the best teachers actually go and do stuff beforehand. Yeah, you don't want a teacher necessarily who's fresh out of school and then gone into teaching because especially what if life something experience. like Defense Against the Dark Arts, like it's one of those more practical things. Exactly. So, in in my personal head canon both are true he got to the head of the aura department was head of the department for years and just went I'm actually out. fuck this i'm yeah. out once it got too much paperwork and yeah he was doing. like nah this is no more catching dark wizards it's just paperwork i actually this question made me spark a bit of a thing we often talk about what we're going to do when we get to the end of the books oh god and i know like we don't there's certain things we do and don't want to do but i would actually really love to do an episode on like 
a short episode on each of the main characters and what they did after Hogwarts. Yeah, definitely. But I think as well, like, I, I can see Harry going into the aura department. I can see, like, after kind of the seventh book, him going back, them finishing their final year, and then him going into the aura department because there's so many dark wizards still about from Dumbledore's reign. Dum- Voldemort's, Voldemort's reign. That he needs to essentially clear up, like, catching all the death Clear eaters. up the mess he yeah, was halfway and, through. And that's why. And then it kind of gets to the point where, obviously, it's not that there's no dark wizards. There are, but that there's a lot less and that they're on a lot lesser level. Yeah, and he's also just, like, he has kids and realises that, like, him being an aura puts his life continuously in danger and he doesn't want his kids to grow up without a parent. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, we kind of see it from both, both point of points views, of view, basically. But that's a good question. Thank Very you. Very good question. And I'd like to talk about it more at some point. Definitely. Cool. Thank you. Right, thank you guys so much for listening to this thank episode. You. It has extended into two, but I'm sure you guys love that. Yeah, I bet they do. All right, bye. bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Goblet of Wine. To find us on social media, search at Goblet of Wine Pod on Twitter or at Goblet of Wine Podcast on Instagram. We also have a website over at www.gobletofwine.co.uk where you can keep up with everything that we do. This podcast is produced by our wonderful Hufflepuff tier patrons. Vera, Veronica, Sandra, Samuel, Rhiannon, Redbib, Matalib, Kristen, Katie, Catherine, Nathan, Jacqueline and Harrison. If you'd like to support this podcast, check out our Goblet of Wine Patreon where you can also gain access to bonus episodes, behind the scenes content and our Discord. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and we'll see you in the next one. Bye! Bye.